Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Michigan Avenue Media and the World of Ink Network. This podcast was founded in 2011 by Marsha Casper Cook and Virginia Grenier. Their focus has always been on helping writers reach their dreams by having informative and entertaining shows. You will also hear the latest information on what's new and exciting in the publishing and marketing industry. And the shows will also cover discussions on screenwriting, audiobooks and movies. New to the shows will be the latest style and trends in fashion, as well as nutrition and how Pinterest can add just the right spark of attention you may need for your projects. So, sit back and relax and enjoy the show. You can find out more information about our shows and being a guest at www.michiganavenuemedia.com. Hi, everybody. It's Marsha Cook, and uh, we have a great show planned today. I know I was on yesterday. I usually don't have two in a row, but, you know, that's what I've been starting to do is just whenever I feel like doing another show, I just add it in here. Uh, we have Elizabeth Black today, uh, Gabriel Van Jan, and uh, Chris Carlson, and they're so interesting. This is going to be a really good discussion. But I just wanted to hope everybody is well and safe, and uh, hopefully in a week or two we'll all be going out. We'll talk about that a little later, and we're going to – when each guest just uh, – I think it's a good idea because we are going to talk something about the COVID-19. So when each guest talks about what they do, I hope if they'll say what state they're from. I'm from Illinois, but I'm Chicago. And uh, so we'll know where everybody's from because this is affecting everyone, every single guest. I mean, yesterday I had a show with Mary Martin, and she's from uh, London, not London, she's from Canada. And um, I I see all these people that have been on the show from France and all the people that I know over the years. And most of the people I know are still in. So we're going to talk about that. And I keep buying masks for future because you can't always get masks. So uh, I think this is going to be something we're going to have to have. So um, why don't I start out with, um, well, oh, before I forget one thing, Bennett Pomerantz has a show tomorrow, and um, it, it's with Jay Davis. He's been on the show. He, uh, he's got a new book out, and it's going to be a fun show. So listen in tomorrow at 4 Eastern. And so, okay, um, let Gabriel, how are you? Hi, hi, Marcia. This is Gabriel, and I'm hi. calling in from Boston. Boston. Okay, and uh, we'll, we'll all come out together. All right, Chris, uh, where are you from? Uh, I'm calling from um, uh, Silverdale, Washington. It's it's a. I live on a small peninsula between the Olympic Peninsula and just west of Seattle. So we're not Seattle's on the mainland. So uh, wow. it's just we're just this little tiny peninsula. It's. Uh, uh, you know, it's it is just outside that hot zone, that original hot zone in in um, in Seattle area. Uh, okay, and Elizabeth, I know Elizabeth. Um, I'm Elizabeth Black, and I'm not that far from Gabriel. I live in Lockport, Massachusetts, which is about an hour from Boston. So oh, okay, we're I know where that is. <laughs> so we're all home. Okay, so we're all home, and uh, so I guess it, you know. Uh, for those that are listening or for those that have friends that want to listen, it's on demand afterwards, on, and also it's on iTunes. Uh, I've been posting it, but, uh, you know, there's so much going on online is that I'm not sure that all these posts are getting out all over because sometimes people are being taken off Facebook, and that's all I hear on there because I guess people have gone a little uh, – 
haywire by putting things on. Bonkers. So I guess, yeah. yeah, bonkers is a good way to put it. So, uh, you know, this is, this is tough. All right, so... Chris, why don't you tell everybody what you did, which is this, like, I feel like this is like a show here because you're all so very different, but really not because you're all authors. So, all right, Chris, tell everybody a little bit about you. Okay. Uh, I started um, I started with in police work back in the mid-'70s uh, with a major agency in Midwest uh, when women were just being allowed to be in patrol. And so we were re- um, uh, that city. I, I was among the first women that was assigned a patrol unit. And then um, uh, at, my parents lived in California, and I started after several years. I was going through a divorce. I decided to start over again. I moved to California and started mm-hmm. with an agency in the LA area and retired out of there after 19 years as a detective. So. That's uh, it's so. In- I mean, that's was- interesting. I mean, because certainly it helps in your writing. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> I mean, you saw it <laughs> well, all. Everybody says, well, you know, everyone keeps thinking you're gonna. Write, I'm, I was gonna write cop stories like you know, like Michael Connolly or like John yeah, right. Sanford or, or one of them. <laughs> right. Or right. and my husband actually, my husband actually worked with Joe Wombaugh. My husband's a retired LA. Oh really? Both started oh, with wow. LAPD. And um, but I I didn't want to do contemporary cops and uh, and I love Joe Wamba I think he's great I think Connolly's great I but I like history my dad taught history so yeah. I I like writing the historical from a, the historical cop from you know Victorian London so he was he was fun for me because he has no science available to him so when he walks through a crime scene I have to walk through it with him and go what am I going to take from my crime scene. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, that's all. It's always exciting, you know. And I, you know, write what you know, but you you add things, you know. I mean, that's one of the things that people don't realize is that you know you can write. You know, sometimes you're more at home writing what you know, but then again, we all like to push it. And you know, certainly, um, well, we'll hear what Elizabeth says because she's pushed it. <laughs> she pushed it. <laughs> she does every all the genres. So, um, okay. And uh, okay, Gabriel, a little bit about yourself. Oh. So. Sure. Well, I, so I should an say that I met too. Gabriel and Chris on um, Fran's show. We had a discussion about COVID-19, so we will have that today, too, also. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So um, I write also, like uh, Chris, um, historical. I tend to like that. Uh, my most recent book is called Dirty Old Town. It's with Level Best Books. It is set in 1970s Boston. Um and hopefully you'll be seeing more of those books. I have two other series with another publisher, Winter Goose. Uh, one of the, I have five books in a series is, is um, about a woman in Italy. Uh, I spent, I traveled a lot through Europe when I was younger and I really love Italy. So I wrote a couple of books there. Uh, she's savvy, she's smart and um, doesn't take any flack from anybody. I started a second series with the same publisher uh, called The Company Files, which is about the early days of the CIA. And I have two books in that, that series. The most recent one of that series called The Naming Game was nominated for an Agatha Award for Best Historical Mystery. Um, the only thing I want to say before we move on to someone else is, like Chris, I used to be in L.A. I went to USC. So... Well, also you you also you have you forgot about your other profession that was really important. Oh um, well, <laughs> yeah. I that's a very important last, one. Uh, my last uh, career was I, I was in nursing. I started out in pediatrics. 
Uh, I moved on to oncology, and then I started um, getting involved with like platelet collections. Um, you know, working for a major oncology hospital here in Boston. Prior to that, um, I was an applications engineer, uh, systems engineer, and I think both of those uh, gave me skills to that really helped out my writing. But um, nursing was was very rewarding, and um, it was great to be around people. Yeah, yeah, and now more than ever, you know, uh, people are actually realizing how much nurses actually do. Uh, all right, so Elizabeth, you have uh, Elizabeth is a host on um, World of Ink and uh, Michigan Avenue, and uh, I forgot what you know. I used to be World of Ink, but I'm <laughs> so used to saying that. So Michigan Avenue Media. So and she has been on as, as a guest, and she also hosts with me a lot of times. And uh, Elizabeth, tell everybody uh, everybody what you do. You have a lot going on, especially oh, now. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Yeah, I have. Um, well, I, I I do the podcast. Um, I I had a show called Into the Abyss, and I interview horror writers like uh, Joe Lansdale, mm-hmm. Jack Ketchum. Um, I interviewed uh, uh, Daniel Knopf of uh, Carnival and the, and the Blacklist, and you know, a host of other people, Josh Mallerman, and uh, I had a really good time with that. And right at this moment, I'm doing written interviews for the horror zine, and my next guest for. Um, Oh, my next interview coming up in June is going to be with horror writer Douglas Clegg, and uh, that, that's going to be a very good one. And, yeah, you always, uh, one have, you always careers, have some really good people come on, really good. Oh, I, yeah, it, I'm not timid. I just ask them. <laughs> I know. So, I, I, mean, I, know. Them, I, really, I really admire a lot of them, so it was a real treat to talk to them. But um, yeah. you know, my main career you know, before I got into writing was I used to work in entertainment, and I worked as a gaffer, which is lighting, and uh, scenic, scenic art and uh, makeup, including FX. And I did uh, lighting for Die Hard with the Vengeance in the movie 12 Monkeys. And I did makeup, including uh, special effects for uh, Homicide Life on the Street. And that wow. experience influenced my current novel. It's a paranormal erotic romance called Full Moon Fever. And uh, my characters, um, they're, they're werewolves. And they work, in, they work on a traveling theater company that goes around the country. And it's, it's pretty much, I mean, I said it in Portland, Oregon, but I, it's pretty much anywhere. I mean, I just kind of stuck it there just to have a place to put it, like a bookmark. But, um, yeah, that's one thing I'm doing. And the other one that's out right now is a, a horror short story called A Job to Die For, which is in Horror for Hire Second Shift. And that's available for pre-order as soon as Amazon fixes the link because it, yeah. it just got busted up about a day ago. What happened? You mean the, the link? Yeah, um, there, there's some, something went wrong with the pre-order, and now everybody has to redo it. And oh. I just heard from the uh, yeah, it, 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 it's a bit of a mess, but it'll straighten out in a couple of days. I'm, I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, there's so much going on now. You know, just the, anything that happens, just go. Oh, fine, it's from this. You know, because it is from this. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, you know, I, even though every time I go in a site, it's like I don't. The password doesn't work. I have to reset the password. I don't even, it's mm-hmm. the same password I have used, but I actually think sometimes they're doing this, so you just pick a new password. I don't know. I mean, you know, this is crazy times right now, you know, and so we, we have a lot to talk about here. But I just want, you know, you you mentioned that we had Daniel on the show from Blacklist. Uh, I don't know if anybody else watches Blacklist. I know Elizabeth does. Does anybody, Chris or oh. Gabriel? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. No, I used haven't. to. No. I used to, but I kind of lost interest in it. With, with uh, I, I, I really don't like the female lead on that very well. So we just we we stopped watching. Well, it that would be seasons. right, right. Well, that's she's she's got a huge part in this now, you know. But I don't know if they're going to do it again. But they it did something so unusual. I don't know. Did you see the last one, Elizabeth? Um, I stopped watching it a, a while back. Oh, you too? Okay. Um, well, I, I'm still I, watching it. I'm still watching it. Most of the time I don't even know what's going on because I just keep watching. <laughs> I, I like James Spader. Mm-hmm. But what they did is they couldn't finish part some of the scenes, and they came on the air and they said, you know, we couldn't finish it, so we're going to do it with, like, an animated type, and they did a great job of it. So if anybody wants to look at mm-hmm. something unusual, how they did it, uh, watch the last, it was the finale for this year. So I think that, you know, in, in writing, you know, people are saying that, uh, you know, I ask a few people sometimes on the show and I'll say, do you think it affects writing? I mean, I think it's going to affect everybody's writing. I mean, and I was watching The Good Fight and they came on the air and they said some of the scenes couldn't be on, so then they had to skip two weeks. So I think this is something that will apply to our writing. Chris, what do you think about that? Yeah, I I, I don't see how it can't in a way um, because we just, uh, as as everybody keeps saying, and and it has to be true, until this virus has got a vaccine or something, how we were living, you know, in January is not going to be the same as how we're going to come out of this this summer. Um, And God help us if we have another, if we have another wave. Um, I know it, it, it has to affect us because we, we just, um, we're, you know, you're wearing a mask. There are people that, you know, that are, are um, that you just have to say, are you an idiot? You know, these people, some of these people that are demonstrating, they're just asking yeah. you to wear a mask. I don't understand this argument that they're having with, about it. Um, you know, to me, I just think you're a moron. And if you didn't put other people at risk, I would say, I don't care if you get the virus. But, you yeah, know, I think I, I think it's you know world. it is just a small thing. It's small. I mean, it really is. As opposed to everything else that could happen, yeah, I think it's a pretty small thing to to ask people to you, do. You, you wear, you know, how many for years and years we have seen signs saying, especially Florida or California, no shirt, no shoes, no service. You have, didn't have a problem right. with that. Why do you have yeah. a problem with a mask that, that's for your own safety and the safety of other people? Yeah. And and you know you just you, it's you, you do you use a seatbelt in your car? Yeah. Do you wear a helmet yeah. if you ride a bike? Yeah. So I just think somebody some the people have wanted to make this political, and I don't understand the motivation for that. But yeah. it's just ridiculous to me. It isn't right. Right. It's it's more about health. Uh, Gabriel, you know, I, well, I mean, this is something horrible. In, in, in terms of writing, I think there's going to be a lot of horror stories. I think there's going to be uh, locked room mysteries uh, from quarantine. Um, you know, in terms of socially or, you know, everyday things, I think things will change. Um, yeah. You know, I was talking to someone yesterday and I was thinking, I wonder how many companies now, you know, because they're having their people uh, work from re- work from home, you know, work you know, by remote. I'm wondering how many companies will start thinking, hey, do we really need to have office space? You know, can yeah. we do business yeah. this way? Because yeah. um, I, I have a friend of mine that's doing telecommuting. He actually says he gets a lot more done at home because he doesn't have interruptions. He doesn't have distractions. Um, yeah. He feels more productive because he's comfortable. You know, I'm trying to point out things that are positive about what may come out of this, but I do think 
This is going to change the way we do education because now everybody has to do things online. Um, it, I think it's certainly going to make parents appreciative of teachers because they're trying to homeschool oh, yeah. their kids. And, you know, that's not an easy skill set that you could just pick up. Um, and also it's your own child. So, um, I, you know, I, I think things are never going to be quite the same again. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about young children who, you know, they haven't been able to do graduation. Uh, they haven't it had really that is social. sad when you think about it. Those are the things that right. everybody remembers, you know, the graduations, exactly. the parties, you know, proms, things like that, which is, you know, really, you know, all the things that we know. All right, Elizabeth, how do you think it's going to affect everybody? Well, um, we writing? just had something happen up, up here in, in Rockport with uh, – well, it happened. My husband witnessed it. I, I was home at the time, but there was uh, some guy who was trying to get into our local health food store, or it's, it's kind of a health food store grocery market. And he wasn't yeah. wearing a mask, and he was screaming about his First Amendment rights, and he refused right. to wear a mask, so they wouldn't yeah. let him into the store. And, and I was yeah. calling him to ask him to pick something up, and he, you know, said, "I'll, I'll call right back," and hung up on me. And I didn't know what was going on, so then he called back and told me about this. And, he was like uh, trying to stay out of the way because you know, yeah. there's no telling what this guy is going to do. You don't know what could happen, right? He, I mean, right. Uh, he just he just left whoever he was, and then um, you know, as far as uh, I go, there's uh, one novella. It's a novelette that I wrote called Roughing It, and it's um, it's a paranormal. It's another paranormal ro- scientific paranormal romance, science fiction. Of um, I, I originally based it on the X Files, and it has to do with. Uh, it's kind of a pandemic that starts with a comet that goes over this uh, small town in Massachusetts that, um, uh, you know, it affects the people. And uh, the book is out of print right now. But when I was talking to, I guess, my my fans and other people who read romances, is that they want escapist literature right now. They don't want to read yeah. anything about pandemics or anything too dark. Right. So I decided against re-releasing it. But um, I'm thinking of rewriting it to uh, novel length rather than novelette because it's only about 15,000 words could, You know long. what? I think you could release so it because, re- you know what? I mean, you did it already, though. Why don't, you re- why don't you release it? Release it, you know? Uh, I mean, what, you have nothing I, I, I to lose. Wanna, I want to rewrite it. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking oh, about right. rewriting it. Yeah, and, and you know, I forgot to say so I forgot to say something in the in in the beginning of the show. Uh, I want I, I you know Elizabeth and I know I think that well Chris probably doesn't Gabriel. You can ask each other questions or come into the conversation whenever you feel like. So just you know sure. you don't have to wait for me mm-hmm. to ask a question. I forgot to tell you that because uh, that, no, that's what how I change up my show. Yeah, but I think Elizabeth, you know that's probably true. You know, but then again. Everybody is thinking about this. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. and they do want to escape it, but even when you're trying to concentrate, I think that people, it comes to your mind. It has to, because it's just so well, different than anything we've experienced. The, I know somebody's doing another version of The Stand, and it's going to be on CBS All Access. I just read about this oh, yeah? this morning. And I'm like, I, I, I can't. One of the Scars guards is going to play um, uh, the, the main lead, whose name uh, Randall Flagg. Yeah, I, I think it's Alexander Skarsgård. I'm not absolutely sure, but it is a Skarsgård. That's kind of exciting. Yeah. I, I like to stand, and I would definitely watch that. Yeah. So many people yeah, are watching TV now. Oh, my God. You a, know, a I, you know, <laughs> and Netflix, and, you know, and I do think this is a good time for projects to come out there because, you know, they probably have a lot of projects that they canned and now are going to bring out. 
mm-hmm. because they can't do a lot of soap operas. They can't do a lot of things where people are close to each other, and any you know movies like that. So I don't know what's going to. I mean, nobody knows. You know, um, you know, unless certain things were made already, and they were in the works, this could be hard. You know, to bring mm-hmm. people in. I think. Well, I have, Go ahead. I have a question for uh, the other panelists. Um, I have a lot of colleagues that are writing, and some of them are saying that they're finding it hard to write because they're stressed out, they're anxious. And I was wondering if do you find are you finding it difficult to write, or do you feel that you turn to writing for a more structured day, and it just you know you work on a project and you find that that you're not being anxious about what's going on around you because you have a project and you are writing every day? I I, I have really disappointed in myself because I thought if I'm going to be sheltered in, I'm going to get a lot of writing done. I just released my, my, uh, my book three of my Victorian series, uh, which is A Venomous Love. So I, but while I was touring with that, um, I was okay. But I have a little a smaller series that's uh, World War II romances. They're novellas. And that's what I was, my current one is the book two in that series, and it's, you know, World War II England. And I swear, I'm th- grateful if I can get five pages done, and I, it's just, I'm just a turtle. And I don't know, yeah. if I, yeah. I, I don't know what the problem is. I'm going, I'm sitting at this monitor, why can't I find the words to I, put on this page? Yeah, yeah. I agree. I well, me, I'm most is Elizabeth. Um, I'm, um, I'm not writing much right now, mainly because I'm right in the middle of a month-long blog tour for my paranormal romance for a full moon fever. Uh. So I'm busy with that every day and keeping up with posts and comments and uh, you know checking on anything that's going on with that. And actually, I'm coming up with an idea for a new novel that it's it's not ready for me to begin working on yet because I'm still uh, percolating the idea in my head. So. I'm not writing anything at the moment, but um, I don't feel anxious or anything unless I get out there and start driving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's you just feel- the tension of wearing the face mask and standing yeah. in, in long lines and stay, staying six feet apart because because it's new. It's still fairly yeah. new. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's just uh, the adjustment of that is, is affecting me. But as far well, as, uh, I, you know, my personal c- condition, it's uh, my husband and my son, um, my, my son, he lives with us, and uh, they're both considered essential workers. So we don't have that kind of stuff to worry about. So it, right. things around here really haven't changed all that much, except uh, yeah. my husband's hours have shifted. He's doing second shift instead of third. and yeah. uh, But he's working from home, so we like that. That really has worked out yeah. very well. But um, otherwise, no, not much has really changed, at least for me. And I know I'm very fortunate with that. Right, right. And like going to the grocery store, look, at, like we, I, I've mentioned this before, you know, wearing a mask is not that much. You know, it is difficult in some ways to breathe. Sometimes you feel that way because we're just not used to it. And, you know, mm-hmm. but you do it. And But I do know when I'm in, I like I, when I get, my husband sometimes is waiting for me in the car. And I get to the car, I feel like I feel like I'm so exhausted, and I don't I never got that way. But I'm just mentally, I think, from not being able to talk to anybody to worrying if I'm touching this or that. By the time I get home, then I take the bag out, then I put something on the counter to put that on, and then I wipe my boots off. So I don't, I, you know, and I then I think to myself, is this? Is, 
this is very difficult to try to remember what you touched and what you didn't. And then by the time it's done, I go, oh, the hell with it. <laughs> That's it, mm-hmm. you know. And then I run into the, I, I take a second, I go in and take a shower, wash my hair again. And I'm thinking, this reminds me of like that movie Silkwood when she kept, they kept taking showers every time they were clicking oh, up yeah. with the radiation, you know. But I think that we're all under such stress. Because even though we're not thinking it sometimes, we know we're in the house. So, I mean, this is just how it is. You wake up in the morning and there you go. And I woke up the, uh, the other day in the morning and it was completely foggy. And I went like, oh, where am I? It's like I couldn't see, like you couldn't even see out the window. And I'm thinking, what's happened here? So I think that people, you know, even though they want to, not be affected by it, but I do think everybody is. You know, you sit down, like I had children's authors on, and I think I mentioned this, I don't know if I did on Fran's show, but uh, we we were talking, and one of the, the optometrists that was on, he's a children's author, and he was saying he, he's he been home and he wrote two sentences, you know, because like, like Chris said, you feel like, oh, now I'm home, and I finally can just sit there and write, and you go like, really? You know, so I think we all thought we probably could just sit there and pretend nothing happened, but I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> I don't think so. You well, know, I'm for all in an apartment that. complex, and what you know, what we have to do now is we have to wear masks in the common area, in all the common areas, and on the yeah. ground, and that's that's yeah. different. There's just something that's yeah. different. So it's just a matter of adjusting to that because I have to do laundry tomorrow and I'm going to have to go into the laundry room wearing a mask and gloves and it just feels weird. But I'm I'm kind of getting used to it because now it's getting to be routine. So if I can make it into a routine that I do every day, then I'll eventually get used to it. Is everybody happy with with the leadership that they're seeing, whether it's at the national level or at the state level? Because you know, there's different rollout plans for yep. how things are opening up. You know, here in Massachusetts, we have Governor Baker, and right now, um, in terms of his phase gating it, um, churches, construction, and manufacturers are allowed to be opened. And then, he, the way he phrased it, you know, he was going to watch the numbers, and based on that and guidance from uh, scientists around him as advisors, he was going to decide. What else would open uh, if the numbers were, you know, decreasing? But I was just curious, you know, um, how you feel about, you know, your governor or, you know, other leaders in your community. Yeah, who wants to take that, Chris? You want to take that? Or? Yeah, uh, we have Governor Inslee here in Washington, and he responded really fast uh, because we had that. We were the ones that had the. Um, the, the uh, assisted living home that, that ran rampant through oh, was right at the beginning. Right. Yeah, yeah. And he, he was quick. Uh, he, uh, Governor Newsom in California did the lockdown first, and Inslee followed three days later. And he, he, you know, he had people demonstrating and all this other stuff, but he has slowly, he said he announced a couple of weeks ago, he said, we're going to do this in stages. And he said he's opening up, you know, like the people that work outdoors, okay, now they're able to work outdoors. And, you know, and... Most of Western Washington has been pretty, pretty cooperative. Eastern Washington got a little upset because they said they didn't have that many cases. But Inslee stuck to his guns, and we have been very, very lucky, and we've been on the uh, flattening, more than flattening the curve. We're on the down, down. Um, because down he's end. very into this. He he's into climate change and everything else. So yeah, um, 
that that you know, I remember from the debates, you know, that he was talking about, right? I mean, that was some of the things he talked about, and nobody else listened. Yeah, yeah, he's very, um, he's 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 pretty responsive to to the environment and that sort of thing. Yeah. And he's he's done a lot for us. So uh, as far as trying to protect this, protect the, the citizens here in, in Washington. So, and I'm glad he stuck to his guns, even though people came up with assault rifles and everything else on the Capitol stairs. <laughs> Uh, which is hard to believe. Which is so hard to believe that this that that goes on. This is America. We should be all together on this because this isn't political. It's about health and the well-being of the people in the USA. I mean, I don't understand. You know, we can watch other countries and look at what's happening, but we still are the USA, and people always thought we responded quickly to everything, which doesn't seem to mm-hmm. be the case now. Well, uh, Inslee and, and, and Newsom, they were they and, and Brown in Oregon. They were very, they were among the first to do that. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, do you know work together just like uh, just like New yeah. York and Connecticut yeah. and New Jersey? And that's it's really sad that that is how we've had to respond. Our states have had yes. to respond that yeah. way and yeah. kind of so they didn't hurt each other because we're just getting such nothing but but a horror show out of Washington. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, yeah. you know I had mentioned this on a. With Fran when we talked about this, but you know I've been reading a lot of the foreign newspapers, particularly the British ones, and you know and I had said it then and I'll say it now. I think you know we we've lost a lot of respect in the world community because you know of how late we responded, Um, and there is a lot of questions about you know U.S. personnel abroad. You know, uh, for example, um, in Italy, they're the largest uh, army base. Army or naval uh, is there, um, and the military did nothing. Um, and I know a lot of the Italians, who have always been our allies, uh, were wondering why, you know, they weren't having any communication. They reached out to the U.S. They never got an answer. They reached out to the U.K. Never got an answer. And really? now, wow. you know, we're, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's quite sad, but you know, I, as I said, I think we've lost some some level of respect. I mean, from a country that came together to, to deal with World War II, where we had people manufacturing yeah. planes every hour, and now we can't do things like masks. Yeah, that, that's shocking. Yeah, I'll that tell you what really shocked me was when when Trump uh, with with New York when when he actually accused the healthcare workers. Of black selling on the black market, the the equipment because yeah, they were that, you know, was begging for it, yeah. and he says nobody needs that much. They must be selling it out the back door. What uh, a horrible yeah. thing! Yeah. These people are on the front line, and he still yeah. hasn't hasn't shown any kind of empathy or for for any of the dead. Yeah, the yeah. the thing I found shocking was um, Jared Jared Kushner when he was appointed seized the uh, personal protection equipment that was coming to all of New England and claimed that it belonged mm-hmm. to the federal government. And in turn here, uh, uh, <clears throat> Bob Kraft, who owns the New England Patriots, went to Governor Baker right. and, and yeah. said, you know, I'll take a plane. And yeah. I, as far as I know, he spent his own money. He bought like $3 million or $30 million, uh face masks, not face masks, but, you know, face masks, I keep thinking of football, but um, yeah, he went to China and flew them back here. So you know there were people that stepped to the plate, but 
the idea that you're going to seize equipment and then decide who's going to get what uh, was a little bit shocking. Um, yeah, I, you know, I still talk with my friends about this, and we, well, I still do. We all do. You know, we talk about this. Uh, the fact is, I, you know, I still, the one thing that I just feel is that I don't see any people getting tested. I mean, I see online, I look at on Facebook, and I somebody I know that was on one of my shows, she was saying, who has heard back if they did have a test, you know, and it's some people say a week, they never heard back, and some people said nobody's been tested. So I don't see a lot of testing. And so I, you know, I think, you know, and now what they're saying is sometimes um, – uh, that well, I might I better say this. I I actually was in medicine for years. I think people that have listened to me, uh, I was working for doctors for years and in hospitals. So uh, you know, and I did a lot of things with smoke cultures, and we did. I made media and brought it to hospitals, mm-hmm. and we did a lot of throat cultures back and forth. I mean, really a lot. You know, like because I worked in pediatrics for many many years, and we did a lot of throat cultures. But what I can't understand is. You know, I know now they're finding out that maybe that if you retested, you are still showing that you have COVID, you know, and maybe it just stays longer. See, they don't know that much about this. And it's really, you know, I mean, I think people are looking for that one magic trick, but I don't think there is such a thing because it takes time. You just can't go on results that aren't proven. You know, we all, right. we've all lived in America. This is one thing about America. We all believed that the FDA and all these people were in the best interest of the people. So, And watching people slowly tear them all down, what will happen afterwards? What will people believe in? You know, will they believe in the medicine that we've always, you know, look, at. we all know that everybody's had issues in hospitals, whatever, but basically we have great doctors and great scientists, and right now people are questioning the wrong people because those people know what they're talking about. But we're not listening to that. Not we, but the White House is not. Well, I mean, in the well, past. I'm on, I'm on a, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I mean, in the past, in the past, presidents have always deferred to subject matter, subject matter experts. Uh, This president has not. And, you know, in addition, I do think at some level people do look for guidance and do trust scientists and doctors. And like you said, the FDA. But I think here the, the, the burning question after the fact is people are now questioning you know the office of the presidency you know because we even regardless of your your political party i mean people always knew the president took for the took right. interest didn't for matter. the welfare right, of the right, greater right, country right. you know whether it's in war or pandemics that we've had before um we've had you know i remember if i recall we had a flu in 1968 we had something 54 56 we had polio during the 40s, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Fran, I, I know, Fran, uh, Elizabeth, I think you wanted to say something about that before we... Yeah, um, well, I, I can't get over how there are still people that believe, I mean, it's the Trump line that uh, COVID-19, first off, that's not any more serious than the flu, which is not true. Yeah. And uh, right. it's a Democratic hoax that's designed to keep him from becoming president. 
and that it's yeah. all going to disappear Ugh. after November 3rd. And I'm yeah. like, that is extremely irresponsible. And yeah. uh, I mean, he's encouraging all the all the states to open up too early. And you know, we're seeing mm-hmm. a lot of that down south, where you know the uh, you know the churches, some of the churches will get back together again, and within two weeks, we have people coming down with with the virus because yeah, right. you know, they weren't properly doing quarantine. And you know it, it it could it could level out a lot sooner if people would just do what the scientists and the doctors tell them to do. Yeah, I don't like, I don't think know, we ever had the problem Fauci. talking about uh, doctors like this because we always believe that. Mm-hmm. Like what you're saying, we always believe that it would be okay. You know, um, they, they're taking down subject matters that we all thought were just regular. The USA, this is how we handle things. So go, go ahead, Elizabeth, finish. Oh, no, that, that was it. Oh, okay. But I do think, you know, I think that, you know, one thing, you know, people, we are getting news coverage a lot about it, you know, and um, – I do think that, you know, I think sometimes we want some people to come on and say things and try to, you know, and I still do feel like ex um, people that were in the government before, I think I mean, we need a lot of those people to come out because they were in charge of the United States, and I don't think anybody wants to see this go down the bad a bad road any further because we are not on a good road right now. But the problem, the problem, Marcia, is that the people that really need to hear the truth watch Fox News. Fox yes. News doesn't mm-hmm. tell them. Fox News is out yeah. there right now. That Laura Ingram and them are out there saying, "Hey, this hype, that chloroquine yeah. or whatever it's called, the, the malaria drug is great. You should take it." Only one person yeah. stood up from Fox and said it was bad. Don't take I know, this. I saw it that. Kill I know. you. And because, but everybody's going on here on MSNBC or CNN or one, even yeah. one of the Sunday shows, and these yeah. most of these dopes don't don't watch any of those shows. You know, if they, if it's not on Fox, they don't they don't listen. Yeah, I, well, that is a problem. That is a problem. You know, but I think you know, and when you when I think when people really understand how bad this is when they're seeing, you know, this may seem trivial, but it's not trivial because when they see like all the voice and all these shows, how they've banded together to show entertainment to the younger generation, to our generation, to uh, any, you know, and even for the young ones, they have a Disney show that Ryan Sequist um, from Walt Disney, you know, they hit on the programming, the other, that's another thing that's being done, so I think people should realize that why are they doing this? They're doing this because nobody can go out. So even if they're not listening to news, they could see that. Look at all the TV shows that are coming out and saying, you know, like I as I mentioned before, you know, I can't, you know, we can't finish filming this because, you know, and they're taking a stand that they don't want to go to work and they you know which is they are believing you need masks and you can't have close contact so if they're not watching the news are they not watching that to show that people are trying new methods that we've never done before you know with zoom and, and you know uh cnn had a well that's a different but they cnn did have a show with uh president obama and uh, Clinton, President Clinton, you know, just giving addresses to, to to address the situation of no graduation. You know, I mean, there are, the other thing is nobody's 
taking the time to really sit there and talk about the kids. What are they going to do with all these kids? I mean, the gov- you know, the White House should help the states because this is a huge issue. We do not want children sick. So what, are, what can they do? They better figure out something for the kids. That's really important. You know, that's how I, you know, Gabriel, how do you feel about that for yes. the kids? I mean, all these kids out there, what are you going to do with that, them? Well, I think one of the things that's happening, and it, as I said earlier, a lot of parents are homeschooling kids. But, you know, I think that can only work so far because, you know, now when these kids come back, uh, I assume there has to be some kind of assessment. You know, are they are these kids going to graduate to the next grade or are they going to yeah. repeat the year before? You know, think about... Um, you know, think about kids in college. Are they going to graduate on time? You know, that yeah. you're talking about student loans, more debt um, for those students, uh, all those people that we have in professional programs, dentists, lawyers, doctors, they're all shifting, um, I guess, or moving their graduation dates or taking their cert- board, board exams for certification to get their licenses. Uh, so it's, it's really going to be a mess, uh, I think. Or they're going to have to come up with some form of, I, I don't know if it's lessening standards, but, you know, waiving certain things. I don't know. It just seems so, you know, difficult. These these are very tough decisions for schools to have to make on their own or the governors, you know, trying to make decisions when they don't even have the money to do it. So I, I really don't know. I mean, this, you know, there are – you know, there are things that really need to be done that aren't being done. Even, well, I think I don't, of, you know, this is one of the, the problems. They're not being done or talked about as much as they should be. I think the clear message throughout this unfortunate pandemic is the federal government, and I'm speaking specifically about the president, he is sending yeah. this message through his behavior. And as you remember in nursing, everything is about behavior. It's not what people say. Yeah. It's how they act. Right. Yeah. And this guy is has basically told the state you're on your own. And yeah. I, the the problem I have with that is, in addition to everything being inefficient, we may have sections of the countries, you know, turning against each other. You know, if for example your state is saying, oh, okay, you can come to work now, and you genuinely feel, hey, I don't see evidence that this is safe. Well, now yeah. you can't collect unemployment. But oh, oh that know, my could cousin be bad, yeah. they can collect unemployment. Unemployment, um, you know, stimulus checks are nice. People do want to work, but this, you know, it's not happening that way. And he's telling the states, you know, you're on your own. So each state's going to have to figure out their own thing across the board. And the tragedy there is, you know, we know he doesn't want to take any blame, so he can turn around and blame the states. Oh, it was your governor's fault. That's what he's going to do and what he has done. And it's also, you know, people don't realize when when they're talking like, oh, no, we we want to go out and party or whatever. If you bankrupt your state, the first people to go are nurses and firemen and policemen. Yeah. You know, that's it's, right. it's, it's it's in the case yeah. of, well, just we, we don't have anybody to clean up the beach. No, you don't have anybody to respond to 911. You know, yeah. and, and right. a lot of these people can't see that at all. So, uh, yeah. Elizabeth, so you're talking, when people said to you that they would rather not, you know, they'd rather do more fantasy or, you know, not be 
constantly thinking about, you know, what's going on. So you have a lot of groups that you're in on Facebook. How are they yeah. dealing with this? Um, well, they don't they don't talk about it much. Um, mainly, a lot a, a lot of people are afraid. They're confused. Uh, we're not getting yeah. any kind of leadership from you know from the White House. And uh, I, I just read, to, I think it was today, I believe it's Nevada and Michigan. They're two of the states that are trying to come up with mail-in voting or, you know, voting yeah, remotely. Right. Yeah. And Trump has come out and said that, you know, if if you keep doing that, he's not going to send any uh, relief money to, you know, to those two, to those two states. And plus, I think that Michigan just had a, a big dam break. And it's uh, terrible. I, I saw it online. Did anybody see that? Oh, my yeah. God. Mm-hmm. Well, do, you, do you remember do you remember when they were saying when in the first round with the stimulus checks they, that he had wanted to sign or put his signature on it and the yeah. treasury mm-hmm. department says, no, 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 you can't do that. You know, this, yeah. this is our branch you know, of the government. And all <laughs> yeah. that. You can't right. do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you get the stimulus check and then about two weeks later, you get an actual letter from him that he signs, you know, in other words, he's making it sound like he's doing you a favor. Right. And mm-hmm. I, I, I hadn't thought about this. Right, and, yeah, my, and I my, thought about my son this got like, that. Yeah, well, my my husband you know, and I got doing... a stimulus. We got our stimulus through um, direct deposit, but my son got his through the mail, and he got the he got the check. You know, quite a couple of weeks after we had our deposit, and he just uh, a couple of days ago got the letter from from the president right. with he, the signature he on does it. His end like, around. Doing mm-hmm. he, he does his end around from what the treasury <laughs> told him not to do, and then yeah. on top of that, I'm thinking, okay. He just spent double the money to mail these things to yeah. mail the second letter. Yeah, that's a lot of so, money when you think about it. It is, I mean, you know, and especially because there are people in lots of places that there are food lines because they can't even get to their grocery stores because it's so mm-hmm. busy. You know, we haven't had that here in Chicago, where I live in, in the suburbs in Chicago. It hasn't been like that, but I see all the time people are just in line. You know, but I do notice certain things in the store, like, you know, some days certain shelves will be, you know, and they'll say we are going to experience now maybe with dishwashing, you know, which they didn't have that for the first few weeks. They had a problem with detergents and dishwashing, but on the uh, now there was a sign that says it's a possibility that we might not be getting as much in as we have in the past. So they're at least now warning people that, you know, if you need some, get some now. You know, don't hoard it, but just take some. You know, they're not letting people take 10 of anything, you know. Well, there was talk of a meat shortage, too. Yeah, I saw that. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think, you know, I mean, it is difficult not to have this subject matter on your mind. So, you know, bringing back all of the writing and everything else, you know, and – if you're writing historical, then you don't have to deal with this. But if you're writing anything, you know, in the future or writing something in the present right now, it's, I, I don't know. That's the thing, you know, because mostly, like even in my writing, if I would write a story about I didn't put Uber in, I just put taxi because I figured taxi will be around forever and ever. But if you don't add, you know, something like this, we don't know yet how much of an impact this is going to be on our mm-hmm. life's going forward. We really don't know. If if it does get better, but will it still be different? It it probably will because there's still going to be people losing their jobs. We're not done with that. 
It's going to be trouble because there are a lot of small businesses that won't be able to come back no matter what. And those people people are going to remain unemployed for an extended length of time possibly. So economically, it's going to to take us, I would think, at least a year to recover, even partially where Mm -hmm. where we were. I think once once things are somewhat some somewhat normal, I think it's really going to hit people the magnitude of how many people died in this. Um, mm-hmm. That's very sanitized in the news. You just see a number. Yeah, um, and that's a lot of people. Go, like, that's a lot. It's a lot of people. people in, and one of we have we now have more cases than you know the European countries. Italy was hit hardest out of the European yeah. countries. And one of the things one of my friends said was, um, you know, cultural attitudes were different because, you know, they were more compliant. You don't have somebody running around saying, you know, you're, you're violating my yeah. right to free speech. Right. But one of the things he said, and it was actually shocking to me, was he says, we, we were scared into being compliant because they showed the bodies. When you yeah. start seeing or hearing the sirens every day, mm-hmm. Yeah. And you see the names every day, or you look out your window and you just see parade, you know, car after car, you know, yeah. uh, uh, funeral homes. They, it was a reality that you know we understand people are dying. We're not yeah. seeing that here. I mean, occasionally you may hear somebody. Oh, right. Um, right. Yeah. I had to go to a Zoom funeral because they don't allow, you know, know. what we did before with the viewing and all that. But the magnitude of how many people have actually died from this. I think when people step back and they realize, you know, because we're not seeing the visual things. And I, I can understand why they're not doing that because they don't want to be disrespectful to the dead. But I think sometimes if you show people that they might not be running around doing stupid things or saying stupid things and, and being responsible and we can get over this faster. Other than that, I think, you know, I think 60, minutes, 60 minutes a couple of weeks ago had uh, some people uh, that were um, – I think they were. I, I don't know if they were Navy, or if they were Army, or you know, I don't know what, uh, what, what, which they were from. But they were talking about when they go to houses to, you know, to tell people, you know, that because um, they were helping people take people to the, you know, uh, funeral homes, and some of them had the, you know, job of going to, to the family to tell them. And they said that this was so hard to watch all these bodies at one time. You know, just right. being lifted into trucks and whatever. I mean, so I think what you're saying, it, it's scary to see that, but I know what you're saying because this is reality because, you know, people are thinking, oh, it's not so bad, and they're making up the numbers and, you know, all the things that we hear that are, I mean, we. I think there's more numbers personally because I think that there are a lot of people that might, you know, have immigrated here and they they can't even go to a hospital or go anywhere because they're afraid they'll find their families because they're afraid maybe they'll pick them up, you know, the families. So I think those are done in quiet, you know, they're not saying anything, you know, because they don't want their families to be, you know, taken back to wherever they, you know, because we know that's going on. So I think that well, those also, are numbers. We also know that we also know that the people who do survive this, are going to have astronomical medical bills. I don't know how they're going to pay well, for that. that's the other thing. I mean, yeah, that's the we other know, thing. Yeah, we know bad, nurses, bad. N- n- nurses know that... Oh, go ahead. I mean, nurses, nurses know that the number one cause for most women and children being put into poverty 
is usually a medical bill or a divorce, you know, the death of a spouse. Um, and, you know, you're hearing about these people spending a week, two, three weeks in ICU. You know those bills are going to be six figures. Yeah. Oh, so, you know, like yeah. Chris, like Chris, you Chris, you were saying you can't you, can't, you that you can't write. See, after listening to this conversation, you're not going to be able to sit down and write because this is so much on our minds. You know, when you really, you know, because all my shows over the last ten years have rarely talked about anything happening, you know, other than writing or screenplays and movies and all of these things. And I feel myself sometimes wanting to talk about this this is why you know that when i was on Fran's show when i met you you know the two of you um mm-hmm. that i then i said to elizabeth this would be a very interesting show come on and join us because i think people really do want to hear about it because they they're all feeling this you know and that's okay but the, and that is another issue that we have to deal with so i think we're going to have a lot of people once people say oh like you can go out they might be like afraid because they're so worried they're going to get it because we we know in our heads and hearts that it's out there and whatever they've done so far we don't know if it's going to work so i think everybody's well, nervous I'll about tell those you, things. Uh, my husband and i already talked about it and when they start opening the restaurants and whatever um yeah. as much as we love to go out to eat because we're retired now and and we enjoy it but yeah. you know what we both said you know we're going to hold back. Let's just see where the, which how, yeah, what direction this goes after yeah, they open up restaurants and stuff. That, we're going to do the same thing. Yeah, well, exactly. looking, you know the right wing the right wing media is playing down the severity of the disease, which is not good. I mean, this right. they're saying that this is nothing, not worse than the flu. It's like having a cold. I'm like, no, I, I know some people that have come down with it. There's heart yeah. damage. There's kidney oh, damage. Yeah. And yeah. and this, this is this is not the flu. Um, yeah. And it's and it's taking weeks and you know up, up to a month or more to recover from this. And you know yeah. you mentioned the uh, the medical bills that they're going to be outrageous. And, well, I'm sure you know, yeah. Gabriel you know, can, kind of can, we can tell us, but we've heard we've heard on MSNBC they were talking to the one the one doctor the the, vir- the a virologist that he he caught it. And he was talking about being on, uh, he didn't want to be on a ventilator unless he absolutely had to because it's just, mm-hmm. it's such a horrific thing. And, no, you know, in this, this right-wing media, you're kind of going, you know, they, they're putting people in, in and letting people go in and medically induce comas because it's so tar- hard on some of them. I know. That's not something mm-hmm. to play around with. No. You know? Right. right. Because I'm wondering, you know, I mean, there are a lot of medical, you know, uh, shows on, you know, Chicago Med and all these shows, and I'm, you know, and we've seen, you know, small, you know, small stories about it, you know, but it's like they knew that this could probably happen, you know, uh, but something like Blacklist or that, you know, when you watch Blacklist and you watch some of the shows like that, you know, all all of this you thought was not going to happen ever Mm -hmm. to us. You know, and so it becomes very, it's just different because TV, I'm sure they have to talk about it because I think this is, they've always talked about things, you know, when you see somebody, uh, well, I think they had one a while ago. I don't know if it was Chicago Med or one of the shows when the ventilator that somebody was using um, was bad for, and they put it for somebody else and then 
you, you kept seeing that ventilator going around, and hopefully you wouldn't see it go into anybody's, um, you know, uh, into the room where a sick patient was because then they would get something worse. But I think that it, it would be hard for medical shows not to do this because it's so real and, and they have done it. They've touched on it anyway. But now it would be hard because the medical bills, like you're saying, are expensive. I mean, and a lot of the shows that I've been watching before, they do discuss this. And, and I think, you know, uh, New Amsterdam, I think it's New Amsterdam, I don't know which one it is, New Amsterdam or one of those, when they, you know, they do talk about it you know, a lot of the health care programs we have. So I think going along with this, yeah, like you're saying, it's expensive. And so what will happen with the insurance companies and all the people that are losing their jobs? I mean, those are the things that people are going to talk about because they have to. It's real life. This is now we anything we watched in a show is happening for real. And we couldn't have made this up. You could some of the stuff that's happening now. I don't think any author I've ever had on the show would ever say they could have thought it could be like this. You know, this is real. of course a lot of the pe- a lot of the nobody... people that are losing their jobs are losing their health insurance because the yeah. health insurance is tied through their jobs. That's why uh, right. a lot of people are talking about Medicare for all. I, I don't think any of us uh, uh, could ever have predicted that we would have a yeah. president that was so so immune and so callous yeah. towards callous. towards people dying that and so incompetent. And we have and nobody expected a Senate that that isn't going to force him to do to take action proper action. None of us yeah. ever in our lifetimes had a president, whether we agree with them on a lot of other things or not, right, that right. ever harmed the country. I didn't yeah, like John never, McCain's politics, never. but I don't think he would have ever been a bad steward for the country. And I think if he would be alive, he would have helped the situation a great deal because he would be the only one that would be able to stand up for what he believed in. And I'm sure this was not what he would be thinking, that this could be good. you know. And he was very strong. So that would have helped us now. But I don't think there's anything even, like that. Even the real hardliners, even even Barry Goldwater wouldn't have tolerated for yeah. for this incompetence. No, he wouldn't have. Well, we never had anything like this. I mean, it was always, you know, anything that, you know, mo- every president we've had really thought about the people. You know, I mean, the people. Mm-hmm. And this is such such tragedy every single day. You know, I mean, and uh, because if you need to wear masks, then the top, has to wear masks. That even if even if the top people in the White House don't feel that they want to wear a mask, wear it when people can see you, because other people are watching. And if they would wear masks, if if a president would wear a mask, I do think that would help. But he won't. And so that's yeah, why like, you see people running person- around demonstrating without masks. Well, it's like when uh, Vice President Pence went to the Mayo Clinic without a mask. Uh, Everybody else yeah, I, one except him. I was I'm shocked by that. I don't understand why somebody he admit. wants to look people, and he says he wants to look people in the eye. And I'm like, where do you keep your eyes in your mouth? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. no. I'm just surprised that somebody at a mask. I'm just surprised somebody at the Mayo Clinic didn't exactly right. They didn't stop mm-hmm. him. Yeah. I just, you know, it's just little things that we need to, you know, even something as just small as that, wear a mask. Even if you, look at, none of us love wearing a mask, but we are, because that's the way it is. 
you know. And I think mm-hmm. that um, I think on TV when you see a lot of the commercials, they're all talking about it. They're all wearing masks, you know. I mean, and I think more people are wearing masks than not. Well, I shouldn't say that. In Chicagoland area, I think people were still in. So I do think in Chicago and Illinois, they did a great job. I really do because I think that I'm sure all of us can probably say that none of us ever expected we could even stay in this long. So for the fact that all these people that have really made the sacrifice of staying in, I think they did a great job. This is so hard to do. I mean, doctors, lawyers, you know, uh, health workers. I mean, everybody is in this, you know, and they want to make make sure that other people don't get this. So I think that's what the state should be proud of is how good they did. And if Gover- I think if Governor Cuomo did not take it the way he did, I think we would have been in sad shape. I think he took it, and I think everybody waited to hear what he said, and it helped everybody. I think it was just directly he certainly, he off, he certainly offered an interesting contrast to the, the yes. orange turd. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you know the fact is, see, isn't this a shame? We're all authors here. And, you know, and Elizabeth knows we've done many shows, and it's like we never talked about any of these things because it never mattered because we always had people that were fair, and we always felt that we were in good hands. So we wouldn't have to discuss this. And you're right, saying Democrat, Republican, I didn't even know what we never used to. Nobody knew. A lot of times people didn't know who anybody voted for, and nobody cared. But now it's such a definition of who you are. And... And the fights, I mean, luckily my family, we don't have fights like this, but I know people that their families do not talk. And that's that's really sad. The, the home front is a place where you think your views could be okay, but now a lot of families are not talking to each other, which is terrible. Mm-hmm. Everything you know, is so polarized. here we are. <laughs> this is where we are. So, I, so does you know? Is there anything anybody wants to ask anybody before I end the show? And you can all give your links where they can find you. But I, you know, anybody have anything last words? I have a I have a question for Elizabeth of on okay. behalf of a friend, a writer friend of mine who has just written a um, a horror screenplay and is being considered um, by some by some production company. But is is it okay if I contact Marsha to get your contact information and she can see maybe about coming on your show when the when the time comes? Yeah, sure. yeah Elizabeth, oh. uh, you know, Elizabeth and I have had, you know, talks about this too, about screenplays and things like that, right. I have written 12 screenplays. I was an agent. Yes, it's very difficult now, but certainly she can contact me. And, yeah, because, you know, there are lots of questions out there. You know, uh, we talked about some yesterday about people getting copyrights also and things like that. There's so many things that now... Now everybody's home, you know, so they're trying to do their work, but trying to figure out who they can get help from because sometimes Mm -hmm. when you ask the wrong people and you have to pay a lot of money, this is not a good thing. So, yes, they yeah. can contact You shouldn't me. have to pay yes. to have yeah, your work published. Yeah. No, yeah. no. And I, yeah, it, yeah, feel, is, feel there are so many scammers out there. That's fine. Yeah. But yeah. it's just yeah. she, my friend My friend writes horror, so I thought, and you mentioned that yeah. as what, your bailiwick. So that's, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, that's tell she, you yeah, that's, that's one of, that group. is definitely her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Feel free to give my email address. No problem. Okay. 
Okay. And, you know, also, look, I think that anybody out there, you know, if you need any help, you, you know, you can always ask me a question. And if you want to come on the show, just let me know, you know. Um, but I think that, you know, horror is um, Elizabeth's thing. And I think that uh, we're actually living horror right now. <laughs> I think uh, (laughs) where we are now, and a lot of people will be coming out with things. But I just, you know, as long as you brought that up, uh, you know, if you have questions, ask Elizabeth, myself, or if you have Mm -hmm. any other friends too, because don't spend money because this is not a good thing. Because a lot of times they are coming up with the money to the writer, not toward, not in the other direction. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is unbelievable. I mean, you know, I mean, the problem with options and things like that, like I've had options, you know, people have optioned, and they don't really give you money a lot of times for options. You know, everything is different now. But you do have to be careful about who you use because you're signing a contract, and whenever you have to sign a contract, this is not a good thing if it's a long one because then you're stuck and you cannot get out of it. Yeah, don't sign away your rights. Be careful that you yes. don't do that. Right, you know, and um, Elizabeth and I are going to work on a project maybe together, which we'll talk about at another time, because we're going to try to do Uh some different things on the radio that might not have been done for a long time, because it might be fun, you know, and I think if people have ideas, they should do them now, because as long as everybody's home, they might as well figure out ways to entertain others. People are looking for entertainment. Yes, I think so, and new forms Mm -hmm. of it, and people, there's a lot of people Mm -hmm. writing for the first time, and they, you know... um, that, so I think that's a good thing. There'll be a lot of writers out there, but don't necessarily expect to get from the six big companies because I don't even know what's going to happen with them lately. So, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people are independently publishing and because that you can do relatively in a short period of time if it's edited and everything is right. So um, I think there's just so many questions, right? And, you know, um, we probably should have a show about that sometime soon because there are so many questions and so I see so many things and I can't believe the prices that there are you know even for people to read scripts I mean I that's you know not happening so yes tell her to contact Elizabeth or myself yeah I'm always happy to answer questions and uh, okay so you're welcome and so Elizabeth you want to give some of your um, pages where they can find you Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I'm Elizabeth Black on Facebook. I'm, if you just type in Elizabeth Black, I'm the first one that comes up. I'm the one wearing the uh, the glasses. And um, I'm on uh, I'm on. You're my, on the my show page, too. Oh, You're on the show page. I'm on I the show page, yeah. <laughs> yes, right. And um, my my website is elizabethablack.blogspot.com. And, um, you yeah, know, Full Moon Fever is out right now. And you can uh, just make sure that you write uh, Full Moon Fever with my name, Elizabeth Black. Otherwise, you're going to get the Tom Petty album by the same name. So just oh, that would close. happen on that. Good. And yeah, uh, that good. once they get everything settled with Horror for Hire Second Shift, <sighs> you can uh, pre-order that. And my story, A Drop to Die For, is in that one. And that book is all about horror stories related to the workplace. Oh, that could be interesting these days. <laughs> really mm-hmm. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew, right? Who knew? <laughs> uh, Gabriel? Oh, so um, you could also find me on Facebook. Um, just type in my name. My last name is spelled B-A-L-J-A-N. Uh, you could find me on Twitter. Um, my Twitter call handle is G-V-A-L-J-A-N. 
I do have a website um, and a blog. The website is basically all my, you know, www.myname.com. And if you type in uh, WordPress Gabriel's Wharf, you could find my uh, blog there. And uh, my books you can find also on Amazon or through your independent uh, bookstore. You know, hopefully, give, when they when they a, open, another, some of them are not. Hopefully, they'll open. The, some the of them, ones, but a know. lot of them are shipping uh, books. Oh, good. So right. you know, it's good. It's good to support uh, the indies and small bookshops because they're getting hammered. Yeah, they are. Chris, um, you can. Uh, my most recent release uh, my, uh, is book three in my Bloodstone series. He's my Victorian uh, London Metropolitan Police detective. And the book is called A Venomous Love, and it is based loosely on an actual event. Um, and uh, it is a standalone. You don't have to have read the other two books prior to this, but, you, uh, but it doesn't hurt. Um, yeah. <laughs> you can reach me. I am on, um, I'm on Facebook. You know, Chris Carlson is with K-A-R-L-S-E-N. Uh, and chriscarlson.com is my website. I have trailers there and book excerpts and uh, sample mm-hmm. chapters. And I'm also on Pinterest, Chris Carlson. And Pinterest, I put in book boards with my uh, dream casting. So I get to I get to show you who I pictured as what yeah, actor Yeah, that's a good thing. I yeah, I had that. I, you know, that's a, Pinterest is so important. I looked at my Pinterest account along with other things because I have time now and I always keep putting it off. And I saw so many things that I have to change because I just kept doing things without really looking to see what was happening. And that, this is a good time for people to do that, actually, to find out what, you know, what's not going one place. I know my site, I don't know what happened to it. I was talking to web.com yesterday and I was fine and today I can't get in it. So it could also be something that's happening. I, like I had mentioned, you know, from Facebook and everything that's happening, just sometimes it doesn't work, but then it will. You know, I think it has a lot to do with everybody going, you know, being in the same place. I mean, I know Netflix had some issues. So, I mean, Comcast, everybody. So I think, you know, that you check your links because some of them are broken links that we don't know about if we're not checking it. That's the thing. We don't do that all the time. But now that we're home, I, I can't. Now two months later, I'm thinking, oh, maybe I should be doing this. And I started, and I then I go, oh, there's a lot that I, you know, need to check because Pinterest, I think, is a great place to be. I love Pinterest. Very relaxing. It's fun. It's fun. It's a fun, yeah. fun site. I think it is, you know, and you find books you've not seen and and recipes and clothes and just stories and about old Hollywood, new Hollywood, jewelry, just so many things, you know, so I I do love that. So uh, it's good that you're on there, you know, having, you know, an idea. That's what I used to do. And so I I, I think I need to take a little time myself and do these things because uh, I give people advice, but I'm not actually doing my own advice but as we all know that's not what we do sometimes you know but anyway all right so thank you for being on it was great having you and it was so nice to meet the two of you and that's why i wanted elizabeth to meet you um Mm -hmm. and um we have good times on the shows but i think you know um i hope in a couple of weeks people will be going out and uh well the nurses will get and nurses and doctors and everybody out there has worked so hard and uh the I mean, the UPS people, everybody, so and the mail people. So, I mean, I think that these people really, I actually think now people will actually 
when they go to a grocery store, I think they're going to look at it a little different than they did before because those people have kept all of us eating. And they work hard. They look exhausted, some of them. You know, so uh, everybody take care and stay well and safe. Okay, thank and, you. And I no, think, thank you. Uh, well, everybody. yes, you and too, thank Marcia. you so much for being on, and everybody take care. And I will see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank, thank you for having us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Anytime.